and welcome to Morning Matcha. Today I'm here with Cora Hiltz, who's the co-founder and CEO of Revendere. Hi. Hi. Thanks for inviting me into your beautiful home. I'm so glad you're in London and we can do this. I know. We <laughs> planned this so long ago. So long ago, yeah. And, um, and I'm really happy to still be here because I was planning on being in New York for several months and then be coming to London for a little and that didn't end up working out. Um, so I'm happy that I'm still in London. Perfect. To meet you. Perfect. So tell me about Revon Vert and when you started it and what it is. So Revon Vert is about five years old, but I would say its latest iteration is is nearly two. Um, we started as a retailer of sustainable luxury fashion kind of five years ago when nobody was really doing it. Mm-hmm. And it has evolved since then into, I would say, much more of a lifestyle platform. And I think that's just kind of organically happened through my evolution, um, getting more and more into sustainability myself and having it become this overwhelming, you know, need for change within my own life. And the site really reflects that, I would say. So we now sell everything from organic beauty to selections of men's home accessories. I mean, literally, we brought on cleaning products the other day because it seemed like the right thing to do. Um, So there's kind of this really natural story of how the site is evolving. And Ideally, I'm taking it into a retail platform that will sell anything that you need for a sustainable lifestyle that's been really curated Mm -hmm. to be as beautiful as it is ethical. I love that. And I I mean, the way that you explain it, it just is so natural and makes so much sense. But having a website and knowing what goes into retail and everything, it's just... I I mean, it's so inspiring and I know what goes into that. So I want to hear more about maybe let's get started about what even got you into sustainability. Um, Well, I mean, ironically, I've always been sustainability. So I went to school. I did my university in Paris and I studied international politics with an emphasis on environment. And then I moved to London and got my master's degree in environmental politics and sustainability. So I actually came into retail cold and fashion completely cold. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really interesting actually experience of how it happened. So I was planning on going into renewable energy. Wow. Very sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> in fact, I still have phenomenal amounts of interest in that space. <laughs> yeah. However, mm-hmm. I was in a lecture and, you know, five years ago, I think now we've heard the statistic that fashion is the second most polluting industry on earth. Um, yeah, which I'll need you to get into. Definitely. Um, and I think that kind of vacillates. But at the same time, I remember really being shocked when my professor mentioned that, you know, after oil and gas, which was what I was planning on tackling, fashion was this huge problematic industry. And I was like, wait, hang on, because I'd really been struggling with the fact that I wanted to talk about all these things that I thought were the most important things to be talking about, climate change, pollution, deforestation. But, you know, when I was going out for rosé with my girlfriends, nobody wanted to talk about that. And, you know, you can't blame them. Like, it's not exactly fun chats. And It's so depressing. It's so depressing, but it's absolutely a necessity. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, how on earth am I supposed to bridge this gap between action and you know and living a nice lifestyle and not being completely overwhelmed by how much we need to change and I just saw fashion as this really you know natural medium for expressing that Mm -hmm. so I at the time my plan was I'm just going to start the sustainable version of net yeah I mean like how hard can that be (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> thank God I was so naive. Exactly. Um, I don't know if I yeah. would have done it. You know, five years in with all of the... Um, all of the craziness. Yeah, but, definitely. But, you know, um, ignorance is bliss. And I was 25 and it seemed like a fantastic idea at the time. So I borrowed, I think I borrowed like $500 from my parents um, and bought the website and started talking to designers and, you know, kind of irked along for six months. And then I met my co-founder, Natasha. Or I didn't meet her. We were actually... Um, having dinner, we'd been friends for ages. And she was like, you know, I'm that customer looking for for what Revon Vert will offer, which mm-hmm. is, you know, luxury fashion, but with zero environmental impact or as little environmental mm-hmm. impact as possible. Obviously, zero is kind of impossible unless yeah. we're shopping vintage. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we kind of got going and, and started things off. And and that was that was the very beginning Wow. Okay. So how did you already had a refined eye or how did you curate it into that? I mean, I'd love to say I've naturally got great taste. Yeah. Um, I mean, it looks like (laughs) No, I think, you know, I think you can learn. I think you can learn style. I think that, um, I think living in Paris was really helpful in Mm -hmm. terms of curating this idea of also what Ravon Vert would go on to become, which is very kind of timeless, elegant, minimal style. Um, which I think is a really important thing to know because yeah. I think um, having this uniform of neutrals makes it so you don't feel like you have to keep buying yeah. stuff and then you just, so you minimize and yeah. purge kind of in yeah. the beginning and then you just keep with classic Stuff and exactly. you just only fill your closet with things that are basics and necessities. I think, like, honestly, the the ease of having a really tailored closet is just... If you actually just take sustainability out of it entirely, it's a much better way to live your life. Yeah. Like, I've noticed since starting Rev, like, my closet has just shrunk. Mm-hmm. And I love it so much more than mm-hmm. I ever did when I was growing up in America and going to the mall every weekend and buying stuff that oh I buy, gosh. like, once. I mean, literally, when I moved to Paris, I remember looking at my closet, and it was overflowing, and there wasn't a single thing I wanted to take with me. Yeah. Um, And that kind of cheap disposal and acquisition of clothing is so such a huge problem so we've actually gone away from even buying trends onto Revon Vert and we don't really even buy seasonally most mm-hmm. of what we invest in are core collections classic styles you know like if neon yellow is in vogue this season we won't really buy it yeah, no. um and not because I'm not a fan of bright mm-hmm. colors or anything it's just really like how often are you genuinely going to wear that so mm-hmm. We really like the idea of, you know, like 80% kind of classic minimal with maybe 20% flair. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you should want to love your clothes and find things that excite you. But I think for the most part on a day-to-day, particularly because we're based in London, you're kind of reaching for, you know, like your a black top. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Exactly. And like, how much do we really need? Not much at all. And I want to, so I'm curious, at the time when you started. Yeah had you already gone through this in your own closet, like when your professor had said that, or did it kind of happen simultaneously? I would say I'd made a start. And then I started realizing that I wanted to shop this way. And I was looking for sustainable designers. And at the time, I was doing a ton of research and they were all over the place. You know, it was like 
LA to Tokyo to France. And I was thinking, you know, why isn't there just one place where I can shop all this and know that it's been vetted and know that, you know, I can just go on there and grab what I need. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just realized that actually maybe that was the business opportunity that had been waiting all along for me to discover it. You know, it seemed really fortuitous that that comment was made by my professor at a time that I was questioning how I talked about sustainability Mm -hmm. in a mass way. And also, you know, it's nice working in in a space that's beautiful. Like I think fashion has has lost so much of its beauty. Um, and it's nice to take it back to the basics because I think it is at its core something that's really creative and meant to inspire people. But I just think it's lost that as we've gone into this idea of, you know, mass consumption and fast fashion and super quick trends like you know that's so crazy yeah, yeah you know like what would it like Yves Saint Laurent think if he could see what we were doing today mm-hmm. or you know or Coco Chanel you know yeah. there's people that really like when we think of fashion yeah that's who we think of like and I think they would be appalled mm-hmm. what is that why is that movement a thing I mean I know in the U.S. as you and I both know it's like forever 21 yeah. and this um, sense of just consuming and like throwing away, yeah. constantly consuming more and more. Um, is that seen here as well? Oh my it's God. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's a worldwide epidemic, which is so terrifying. And also as countries are developing, they're emulating us. Mm-hmm. So never before has it been more important that us in developed countries are setting a good example. And it seems like we are going at exactly the opposite. And, yeah. you know, I read a statistic the other day that if everyone on Earth lived the way we do in America, we would need oh. five extra planets to support us. Mm-hmm. You know, and as these countries are coming up, like this is going to be a huge issue. We're running out of resource to support our population. And and it becomes so much deeper than a question of just fashion. Like it comes a question of what are we going to tell our children, Mm -hmm. you know, when they literally don't have arable land because we had to grow hundreds of thousands of barrels of cotton. You know, it's just it's it's a much deeper question than just like. I might buy this top and wear it twice. Um, I know. <laughs> you know, and I, but I think what's terrifying is how few young people know the, the impact of that. And I don't know if that's Education. whose responsibility that yeah. is. You know, is it schools? Is it parents? Is it government? Like, it's obviously everybody's. Uh-huh. But we talk a lot about how business has such a huge responsibility to change. So that's where we find our bit, um, is to just create something that's beautiful and cool and hopefully people will get on board with that way because I do think when you like really preach and you're really negative and you're really strong-handed, people no just one wants part shut of that. down. Yeah, I know. And that's the challenge. And obviously you've done a really good job of <laughs> doing what you love and yeah. inspiring others in a more... Um, and just in more beautiful way that's yeah. not making them feel like crap about themselves. It's hard though, because yeah. I feel like, and I think, you know, it's perfect timing to have this conversation. Like yesterday was Earth Day. Yeah. Today's the start of like Fashion Revolution Week. It's, um, you know, it seems like, and when I learn about this stuff, because I'm still learning even, and it's just like, oh my God, we don't have that much time. So it's really, for me, I would say one of the biggest difficulties I'm going through right now is like, how do I maintain this like kind of lovely passive voice to some extent that Revon Ver has taken. And be graceful. And be graceful and have people want to listen to you. But, you know, also like wanting to shake people and be like, literally, I mean, does anyone 
read that the IPCC has given us 12 years until a climate catastrophe. Like, oh my gosh. That's like irrevocable. No, so basically, I mean, like, sorry. <laughs> I this have is a baby. So no, out. please, let's get into but it. But it's, um, yeah, like, I mean, literally, my husband and I right now are talking about whether or not we'll even have kids. Yeah. Like, and like, that shouldn't be a conversation a 31 year old girl woman is having. And now um, it's the norm. I have a lot of friends who are talking yeah. about this um, because it's really terrifying. So, yeah, the the International Panel of Climate Change came out earlier this year and said, you know, in 12 years, roughly, the Earth will have warmed to a degree that is so high so quickly that we don't know what exactly is going to happen, but it will be catastrophic. And this has been agreed on by some of the most, you know, important and knowledgeable scientists, government officials in the world. So we're not talking like a bunch of quacks over there being like, you know, doomsday. It's um, it's very real. And I mean, I remember from my master's degree that there was this idea of like a two degree temperature rise that is what we're heading for, which would be like, I mean, like parts of California will be under the water. Miami will be under the water, New York, Boston, mm -hmm. all of these places, like if not entirely under the water, quite significantly yeah. there. Like mm -hmm. in our lifetimes, you will probably have to move if we don't stop things. Yeah. And it's not only is it just terrifying, it's like to lose all of this beauty and this infrastructure that we have created as human beings solely down to our own greed. It's really what it comes to. Yeah. Um, you know, that means food shortages all around the world. It means insufferably hot weather in parts of the world that, you know, are already struggling from it. It means more forest fires. It means literally like mass amounts of human life lost um, and just not being able to, to feed ourselves or our children. And that's 12 years away. And imagine even being in your old age. Yeah. If like, let's say it doesn't even happen in 12 years, which it, it will. Well, I mean, Obviously, hopefully, because they're not. saying, like, this is how long we have to change. Yeah. But the problem is it doesn't really seem like anyone's changing. I mean, look at the U.S. Look yeah. at what's happening yeah. with Trump and everything that he's, all the people he's put into place, yeah. too. It's you know, our environmental minister, everything. I feel like, hates the environment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it's like, so... like, he doesn't even not like it. It's like he hates yeah. it, you know? It's... I just, it's just, again, it's more about trying to get people to be more conscious yeah. of every decision and obviously the people that are running these organizations that are supposed to be taking care of the environment they're not conscious so yeah. how can they understand even maybe they don't even know yeah. that they're part of the problem because they don't know how to even be conscious in their own life yeah. and how to start with that because I do think it's you know I we have this debate all the time like whose responsibility is this like fixing this problem is it is it government is it business is it, is it individual and like my whole thing is I wish it were the government I wish any government would step up and say you know we are going to stop the sale of petrol and diesel cars we are going to insist that everyone switches to solar we are going to ban single-use plastic we are going to you know private or make um make the food industry public again so mm -hmm. that we can then allot how much red meat people can eat. You know, like the problem, the thing is like none of these problems are unsolvable. Like we already know the answers. Scientists yeah. have been saying them for years, but the government just is not going to do that. Um, and I think we could probably all safely say, um, at least Donald Trump won't and probably whoever his, 
you know, whoever follows him in office won't have the time Mm -mm. to do it. Um, So I think it really comes down to businesses and individuals. And and individuals, I think, don't realize how much power they have. Not only do they vote for people that are running the countries, but they also, I, you know, I always say like, well, your wallet, like every single purchase you make, whether that's like buying one bottle of Evian when you could literally refill your water bottle or, you know, paying a gas bill every month when you could be on solar or Mm -hmm. purchasing a new car um, versus an electric one, you know, like those are all things that we have such individual responsibility for. Um, And with that, I think it's really important to note because with this conversation, I think we need to also discuss accessibility. Mm. And I think, yes, that's a conversation that needs to be had because everyone can afford to move to solar to buy an electric vehicle and stuff. But at the same time, if you can, that's how I view things with the fullest. If you can, you must. Yeah. and then if you can't, then what is that conversation, right? Yeah, and I think it's, you're so right. And I think, you know, Ravonvert is not the cheapest place to yeah. shop, but it's also not completely inaccessible. So it, there is just a reality that sustainable things do cost more because they're made with fair fair wages and respects the environment and innovation and all of those things do cost a bit of money, but it's economies of scale. So as soon as these things are more in demand, as soon as more people are buying Teslas, as soon as more people are putting in solar panels and feeding their energy back into the grids, all these place prices will go down mm-hmm. so that the normal person can afford to shop that way. Yeah. And you're so right. You know, that that's what's the most frustrating to me is the people I see that have so much money and with that so much ability to make change. Mm-hmm. You know, like why on earth in America... Do people have more than one car? I know. Like, and and I am, you know, my family's very guilty of it. Yeah. Um, they've got, you know, it's it's actually a massive point of contention between my parents and I. Like, I'm like, what on earth are all these cars for? Oh my god! Like literally, yeah. and you know, my dad does run a landscaping company, so his trucks are yeah. very much a part of what he does. But it's it's still kind of this idea of we associate luxury with stuff now and multiple homes, multiple cars, multiple. Closets, holidays, multiple, everything. Yeah. And I think, you know, Stella McCartney just said something that was so right on to me. Like she was giving a speech at the Business of Fashion Voices and she ended it saying, you know, luxury now is not a car or a handbag. It's clean air and clean water and food for our children and fair treatment of animals. Like that is what luxury should be to all of us. Like we're running out that. of I this. Just got the chills. You know, like That's that is so it. Like it's like, you know, like, what are we going to tell our kids? Like, oh, I'm really sorry. I had to have like 17 handbags, but I wasn't thinking about your future. Yeah. You know, or, you know, we had to have a huge, it's like, I see these women with massive, massive cars driving around London with one infant in the back. Yeah. And I'm like, you're killing your own child Mm -hmm. with this idea that like, and also what sort of values are you teaching that child? Yeah. You know, like it's sort of like, no, Get I know. I mean, I live in California. Yeah. I had a Tesla. I had a really freak accident with my Tesla, so I switched to a gas. Oh, I've heard that there's like some problems. Which is again, it's like yeah. I wanted to ha- only have an electric vehicle. I was totally on board. I was like set up for my kid to have one. I didn't yeah. want any, but I was pregnant and it accelerated by itself without it being an auto drive. So now I have this gas vehicle and I'm like, oh my gosh, what like 
now what, right? I yeah. really want to be sustainable. I really want to try and not buy my New Year's resolution this year was not buying more things. Yeah. And, um, but I moved offices so that I can walk to my office for that's the fullest. Great. So trying to minimize, yeah. I mean, that's something that, yes, I had the luxury of doing, but if I can, then again, I feel that I must. Yeah. And, and also traveling, like we travel a lot, but we're really trying to figure out that's really bad. Yeah. I mean, traveling on an airplane. It's really bad. It's, it's like so bad. Have you seen this Greta Thunberg girl? She's a 16-year-old climate activist um, and she is doing so much. But it's insane. She's created this movement. She's got like one and a half million followers now. And she basically has been going around and protesting governments being like, you're killing us. Like, wow, I you're love killing that. my generation. And is she part of the generation that, well, because they're like suing the government, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, so she's not American. I think she's Swedish. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, from a Scandi country that gets it, basically. Exactly, yeah. um, but, you know, I think that she is someone that I look at and she's like, I've been asked to go speak all over the world and I don't go because I cannot fly that much. I, I go places I can take trains. Wow. Um, I love that. I know. But then it's like, for me, my parents live in Maine. I live in London. Like, what are, you know, I cannot take, and like, is a ship even a better option? Like, yeah. you know, what is the gas on a huge steamliner look like? So it is very difficult. Um, but I think trying to minimize it, trying to like find ways to be a bit more local. It's just, it is, it's once you go down this rabbit hole, it's kind of terrifying because you're like, how do I maintain this lifestyle? I know. But, you know, I think it is, it's good, like, just starting to say no to things. Like, that is something I think that our generation too, like, I know I'm so bad at it. Like, I never say no. Yeah. I, I just looked at my month of May and I'm, you know, supposed to be in Milan for a lecture, the south of France to set up a pop-up. We're going to Greece for our honeymoon. Then I've got something else coming in June and I... <laughs> Yeah. I, not only does that actually quite stress me out, I'm like, I really need to start saying no to these things. Um, I'm, I'm totally on the same And doing page. like yeah. video conference. Like, what is the point of all this goddamn technology if exactly. we don't use it? Yeah. Do I mean, we're mean? lucky. I mean, obviously, we're creating so much electronic waste, yeah. which is another issue. But we also have the luxury of working from home and yeah. not driving. So we need to use that exactly. because that will help tremendously. Absolutely, you know, there should really be, and like also I was on, I remember I was on a flight to New York that was maybe like a quarter full. Wow. And that's the kind of stuff that you really feel what's going on here. And that again, it comes down to business, you know, airline companies should not be booking half empty flights. Yeah. It should be, you know, things should be moved. That's so that's so true. You know, like, but like that's it. Like, cause with Revel on Ver, I feel this tremendous amount of responsibility to always be doing better. So whether or not that's like banning some use plastic packaging. We had to, when we launched organic beauty, I refused to sell any plastic. Cause I'm like, what is the point of doing all this organic beauty that's coming in all this plastic yeah. that's then going into the ocean mm -hmm. and killing all of the marine life and, you know, polluting our seas. Um but you know, people really pushed back on me that I was not wanting to stop plastic. Um, really? Yeah. You That's know, like ridiculous. a lot of brands would be like oh, quite yeah. up in arms and I'd say no. And I was like, well, sort yourselves out. Like yeah. we are. Um, you know, like it's 2019. We are about to land people on Mars and we cannot figure out plastic pollution here on Earth. Like it's not that we can't figure it out either. You know what no, I mean? It's, it's like the solutions we, are there. They're there. It's just that 
again, it's like the pharmaceutical industry, right? Yeah. And it's like, who, these businesses are so big yeah. that if they implode, like what's gonna happen, right? Yeah, but I think people don't realize, like I was giving this talk the other day on fast fashion and I was like, if we all stop shopping there. Then yeah, it's gonna for, make Like it Forever 21, just, it wouldn't, if people didn't, if it didn't have customers, it wouldn't exist. Exactly. And that is everyone who shops there is choice. You need to go back to the US <laughs> and see. Like when no, I, I, I mean, oh no, because it's so devastating when you're, I mean, you're in this world and you're making moves and things are happening and you're so excited, but then you go and walk in a mall. Yeah. And you realize that. I mean, it's just so pessimistic to look, to think this way. But yeah. then when you go into, because what's happening online is we are, we have algorithms that are feeding us all these things that we're interested in. And yeah. we feel that everyone's on the same page. And it actually is good because it gives us momentum and we are excited. But then when you go walk in a mall in the middle of nowhere, you're like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, I how do you change their mindset? This is actually, this is because I am from like a small town in Maine and I grew up, you know, people go to Walmart, like where I'm from. Exactly. And that is, and, and that would, that's what always used to piss me off so badly and still pisses me off to this day. Um, I went there maybe last year. I like, I categorically do not go into Walmarts, yeah. but there was just one thing. We live in Downey's Maine. There yeah, was one so, thing that we needed that yeah. we had to go there for. Um, plus, my husband wanted to go because he'd never been in one before. Oh and he was gosh, like, what is yeah. this, like, mythical place? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you say that it's it's a fiscal problem, that people with not very much money have to shop at places like Walmart. And that probably is true, that those price points are catering to someone who needs those sort of price points. But I was seeing people with trolley carts filled to the brink mm -hmm. with crap. And all of that crap would come to actually quite a significant number. You know, I'm assuming, I, I must have seen carts there that would be going for about 100 to $200. So yeah. it's not like people weren't shopping and spending money. They were expecting to get a lot, so value. much for it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's the same oh with- Oh my gosh, you're so, sorry, I yeah. need to interrupt because no. I think- that's such an important point to make because I think if you're really struggling, yeah, you're not even going to Walmart. You're going to like the Salvation Army or yeah. you're going to the Goodwill because it that's what you really need. That's exactly. what you're going to find. Walmart caters for this in between where people are just looking for the brand new thing that's going to at yeah, the lowest and, prices. Yeah. I understand like kitchen appliances that yeah. people are like getting for, you know, a toaster or whatever, even though it's still like, how can we make everything sustainable? Yeah. But people, I think majority of people are looking to fill a void. Yeah. And Absolutely. Yeah. That, you're so, you're so right. And I also feel like, so it's really interesting. Part of what I look into with Rev, because I realized it was such a bigger issue than just like, why aren't people becoming sustainable? I was like, this is actually quite a psychological issue. Like something is, something's not switching for people. And like, what is that? And I started reading a lot of like psychological publications on consumerism, et cetera. And as it, this was so interesting to me, it's turned out that as we in America have gotten wealthier as a society, we have become grossly more unhappy. Mm -hmm. So as we've decided that like things are going to define us, 
we have become more stressed out, more anxious. We are going into debt. We are literally only finding fulfillment through consuming. Mm-hmm. And the the country is in a really bad state with our mental health. Um, so bad. And, and our health too, like obesity, you know, all of these things. Well, half the world is starving. Um, and none of that's making us happier. And then I was reading about the places on earth where they're the happiest Guess what the median household income is for the happiest people on earth? What? $13,000 a year. Wow. Because these are places like Costa Rica or little islands off Japan or in Greece. It's where These are like blue zones, right? They live yeah. the longest and they're the happiest. Yeah. And it's because they find fulfillment through their families, their communities, nature, things like gardening. They eat very, very little processed food or red meat because genuinely, again, they can't afford it, but they don't want to afford it. And they're living into their hundreds. Yeah. You know, and we're just sort of like, we're eating steaks and buying cars and we're grossly unhappy and dying at 80, if that. So 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 bad. And the worst part about it is we're not just only affecting ourselves like what you said, we're affecting those people that are happy, that are making these changes, that live in these beautiful communities. Our decisions are now going to affect them when the entire world suffers. Yeah. And these are the countries that are going to be underwater. Yeah. And not because they did anything bad, because we did. It's so grossly unfair that you just... It's so bad. I know. It's so bad. But I really appreciate and love what you're doing (laughs) with Rev on Fair because you are making sustainability sexy and you are having this conversation that's so important and you're out there giving these talks. I mean, just you were saying yesterday on Earth Day. Yeah. Um, and I think, but it's not just on Earth Day. No. And I think that's so important. And I think I'm noticing in at least our line of work, um, more and more businesses stepping forward and saying, this is the year we're making all these changes. This yeah. is what we've done. This is what we're planning on doing. Um, I read articles about how big corporations like Target, they're bringing their, the size of their stores, they're going to be much smaller. Um, there are, I mean, it just makes more sense for them because people, people are making decisions with their money and it's already being done. Yes. Not on a mass level that you and I want to see, but it's starting to happen. So we shouldn't be, I mean, not we, but not to scare listeners into, into, into like thinking it's yeah, yeah into hopelessness but this is the year and i it's so inspiring to read more and more stories like this yeah. and i i don't know if rev on does produce content we do so we've actually got a huge editorial section which we're trying to actually build out even more which yeah. is just about sustainable lifestyle changes so whether or not that includes product is kind mm-hmm. of obviously we're running a business so a lot of them will um but a lot of it is about, you know, what you can do about climate change, switching to a, like how if you want to go vegan, how you do that in a responsible way, yeah. um, how you look at that, like with nutrition and stuff, because, you know, I'm really not very much about like fads and I can totally get oh, on board yeah. with the wellness bandwagon. But also I can appreciate when, you know, a vegan diet doesn't work for everyone totally. or like I go to Paris and I eat a ton of Comte. I'm not yeah. going to feel guilty about it. Yeah. Um, I used to be vegan for a long time and then same. That's how the full is. It's so funny because when you were like, as I changed, yeah. Rev on Vare just transformed into what it is now. And that's yeah. how I feel with the fullest. But it's, it really goes down to being more plant-based, but not yeah. feeling guilty when you do consume here and there. Oh and, my God. Yeah. If, if everyone ate, you know, 80% vegan, yeah. 
we wouldn't have to all be vegan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and I just, and I think it's just these, that's what we're trying to talk about with Rev is like, you don't have to overhaul your whole lifestyle today. Um, but here's what you can do. And mm-hmm. if you want to shop and we're also saying like, it's not bad to shop. Like actually consumerism can be used for good. It can help charity. It can create change. It can empower communities that mm-hmm. need income. Like, yeah. you know, it, it can be really, really powerful and really positive. So we're just trying to keep that messaging probably really, really optimistic. I think me as an individual, I'm a little bit less so. Um, but I probably think that's a bit important. Provocative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that, you know, I hope that that tone remains very good with Rev. And then me as an individual, like I can say a little bit more freely how I feel personally. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'd love to work together on some content. Definitely. definitely. So we can syndicate it on the fullest. I'd and love that. I think just the more we talk about it and the more we spread. And I think, you know, it's so interesting. Like I was telling you before we started like California, we've had an amazing response from California. And when I think about that, I also feel like it's because there you guys have a real appreciation and connection to nature, mm-hmm. which I find is missing in places like London. Like my, a lot of my acquaintances don't put an emphasis on nature. Whereas, you know, my friends in California that like go hiking on the weekends or surfing in the morning or look at the beauty of the ocean every yeah. day, like you kind of feel that instinctual need to protect it. Whereas yeah. if you're in London and you're looking at like, gray buildings and you know the occasional tree you don't feel this like oh my god this is so important you know Mm. we've got to save nature um so i'm i'm so into the california mindset you need to come (laughs) i'm gonna convince you i'm pretty much already there oh well it was so wonderful to meet you and get to know you and i'm looking forward to just more about rev on there and see how we can work together perfect well thank Thank you you so much Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a comment or review, and share with your friends. I'm always reading our comments and love hearing from you, so keep in touch, and I'll see you next time.